church. They praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. So good to have everybody in the house. Good to have Brother Joy and our Brother Jerry and Sister Joy back in the house with us. And Brother Jerry still needs a touch, so we want to continue to pray for him. And uh, we want to continue to pray for all of those on our prayer list. We have several that's been added since uh, last Sunday. And uh, we just have uh, a few that we want to read off here. And, uh, of course, uh, looking at all of those that's on the list, we know that some are severe, some are in the hospital, some have lost loved ones by way of death. So we have a lot of folks that are going through things that need our prayers. Let's remember Dowling Cole, uh, Larry Hoss Wolford family, uh, Amos Blankenship, Adam Lane, Everett Lett. This is the preacher I preached for in Kingsport. Uh, he had another stroke and was in ICU and got out of ICU into a regular room, but he has a lot of weakness on one side. So let's remember him in prayer. Let's remember MC, Seth McAdams, Chris Thompson, April Cook, Jack Casey, Brother Josh said he is sick this evening, so let's remember Jack in prayer. Let's remember Elizabeth Hope, Phyllis Jean Harris family. This is uh, Brother Opie's sister-in-law that passed away. Uh, let's remember that family in prayer. Also, let's remember Barb Sawyers in prayer, Renee Stiltner, uh, Justin Casey. He is uh, went through some surgery today, and they're doing some pretty magnificent stuff with him. They're going to take the hearing aids that's on the outside and everything's going to be on the inside. And uh, so we're looking forward to his recovery. So we want to pray that the Lord will bless him with a good recovery and everything will work as it should. And uh, that will just be a great thing. And, and uh, I, I asked him the other day, I said, will you still be able to listen to, you know, YouTube and all that through your hearing aids? He said, yeah, I'll still be able to control everything with my phone. So they do some pretty amazing things. So let's remember him in prayer. Kaisley Hinkle, let's remember her in prayer. And if you have a prayer request tonight, you'd like to make known by the raising of your hand. The Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. And uh, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. But before we do, could we uh, remind once again, coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're going to have a great time here for Harvest Time Crusade. We want everybody to be here, invite somebody, bring somebody, try to encourage somebody. Maybe somebody's talked and said they'd like to come visit sometime. This would be a perfect time. Friday night, we're going to have Brother Buddy Puckett with us. Going to have a great time with Brother Puckett. And then Saturday night, Brother James Chesser is going to be with us. And then on Sunday, Brother Michael Moppin. We always have a good time with Brother Moppin. He's going to be here. And then a dinner following. So uh, let's start inviting, inviting, inviting. And uh, ask the Lord to uh, just help us and direct us to people that need Jesus. Amen. That's what we want. We want people that need Jesus. And uh, we had a great men's prayer meeting on Monday and if you miss that well you can join the next one we're having that on the second first Monday first Monday of the month at uh, at six o'clock so keep that in mind that's uh, for men only women sorry it's for men only and we're having a great time as we gathered together and prayed and and we just asking the Lord to save 
this community and this area and work in this area and direct us to people that need to be witnessed to. So we're going to have a great time. We might even, you know, go and shoot some shells and and uh, some things. We just don't know what we're going to do, but we know we're going to do something. And uh, the men getting together is always a good thing. Amen. And uh, so we had a great meeting on Monday. And uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and let's just pray for all of these requests. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty miraculous way for each and every one that is gathered here today. They raised their hand, Lord, because they know that you're the only one that can bring healing to their body and help to them in their time of trouble. Lord, I pray that you would just help those that aren't serving you to realize, Lord, that they can serve you too and they can have the promise of when they ask, they can receive. When they knock, it'll be open. When they seek, it'll it'll be found. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one who is watching by way of webcast. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless, Lord, the services this weekend. I pray that you would just send people, Lord, that are searching for you and that they will give their life to you. I pray also, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for the men's meeting, Lord, that as as we gather together, we'll have a one mind, one, one heart to, to pray together, to unify together, and to reach out and ask you to do great things with our lives. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise. Bless the singers as they sing, musicians as they play, as we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand as Brother Caleb comes. Five minutes with Timothy. Hallelujah. If you've come tonight to praise the Lord, if you've come tonight because he's wonderful, let's give him one more hand clap of praise. If he's wonderful to you, if he's your counselor, if he's the mighty God, we all know these things are to be true because we have experienced them. And if you have yet to experience the love of Christ, you can experience that here tonight because he is a faithful God. We do not show up just to congregate together says, where two or three are gathered in my name there, I will be in the midst of them. I'm not very good at math, but I'm counting a few more than one or two, so I'm excited for what the Lord's here to do tonight. Yes, amen. Uh, Quickly, we want to go directly into the word of the Lord, starting this service off correctly with the word that never changes. Psalms 147 is starting at verse 1. It says, praise ye the Lord. It's an action, calling for action. It says, praise ye the Lord. For it is good to sing praises unto our God. Someone turn and say, it's my God. It's my God. It says it's good to praise or to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is comely. Jumping down to verse 3, it says, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. One more time, would you join me as we go before the Lord one last time? before we turn it over. Lord, we come before your presence tonight. Lord, we ask that you begin to move so mightily in this place. God, I pray that you begin to heal the broken hearts, begin to tend to the wounds of the spirit of your congregation, of your children, Lord. Begin to move on this congregation tonight. Begin to pull at hearts and spirits alike, pulling them to your altar. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Very short scripture, but very powerful scripture. I love Psalms. 
because Psalm is full of action. It's full of someone telling you to praise the Lord. And it tells you it's full of reasons as to why we praise the Lord. But as I read the verse 3, it reminded me exactly of who my God is. He is a very present help. And who he is here to help tonight, he was speaking to you through verse 3. It says, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Listen, if you're here broken tonight, the one that can heal you is here. The one that can heal you and tend to your wounds is the one that you can call on tonight by lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. He's the one that you can be buried with in the symbolic burial uh, of baptism. He's the one that you can be resurrected and be born into the body of Christ. He's the one that can heal your broken heart and tend to your wounds. You see, church, the one that I'm here to talk about tonight is Jesus. He is the Lord of all. We understand the word of God says there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. So whenever we get the revelation of who that one God is, it's the same God that showed up on the road to Damascus and knocked Saul off of his horse. And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. So we know there's one Lord. We know that there's one faith. There's one baptism. And whenever Saul asked, who are you, Lord, what did he say? He said, I am Jesus. So whenever you don't know the name, I'm here to tell you the name is Jesus. So whenever you're lost, whenever you're hurting, whenever you're broken, call on the name of Jesus. Come to an altar that is devoted to Jesus. Give your life over to Jesus. He heals the broken hearts and he tends to the wounds. When you're hurting, he's the one that is the comforter. He is the refuge, the strong tower in which the righteous run into. He's our very present help. So if you believe that tonight, can we begin to show all of the supernatural realm? Can we begin to stand all around this place and begin to show all the demons, all the, the darkness and the principalities that we're not worried about them because we know who our God is. Can we tell the broken hearts we're not worried about the broken hearts because we know the one that tends to the broken hearts. Let's begin to worship the Lord.
So uh, give as the Lord blesses you. And we know the Lord will always bless a cheerful giver. So be happy about giving. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that has to give. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless each and every one that gives, that, Lord, you would return it and that they would receive many fold over of what they give. And, Lord, we ask that you would multiply the offering and use it for your glory, for it's all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
Now, this has been a discombobulated day, <laughs> and now it's become a discombobulated night. There you go. We'll get all the stuff here. We can edit this out. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> Amen. Going to have a baptism tonight. Amen. I am excited. Sister Debbie's going to get baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Devil tried his best to keep her from letting it happen. Uh, trying to give her COVID and get her down and out and keep her away from the house of God. But I tell you, when you got a made up mind, there is nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. I like that because if, if the devil could, he would separate us. I was thinking about the study today in Revelation the devil has always wanted to destroy God's people. It's the same today. He hasn't changed. He still wants to take you out. He still wants to take you away from God. He still wants to destroy your relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to talk a little bit about relationships because if you're going to have revival, you've got to have a good relationship. Amen. you got to have a good relationship with the Lord. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 1. So good to have everybody midweek Bible study. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Let's me know you love Jesus. You love Jesus more than anything, being in the house of the Lord in the middle of the week. And... Uh, Coming up this weekend, we're going to see the Lord do some great things. I just expect the Lord to do some uh, stuff that's going to amaze us. How many is looking forward to that? Amen. Uh, I don't come to church just to come to church. I come to church to see the Lord move, and I come to church to give Him all the praise. We're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we're going to start looking at some, uh, how do we treat each other? How do we treat each other? And this is very important to having revival. If you don't know how to treat each other, you'll never experience revival. So we're going to learn how to treat each other. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 1, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Now, we're going to understand what a true widow is. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show pity at home and to requite their parents. Requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. 
And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let's drop down to verse number 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before, everybody say, two or three witnesses. It's very important, two or three witnesses. It goes on to say in verse number um, 20, Them that sin, rebuke before all, that others also may fear. And today we just want to talk about relationships. we got to have the right relationship with each other. we got to respect our elders. we got to respect the, the mothers that are uh, elders, elderly in the church. we got to respect the, the men that are elderly. we got to respect our brothers and our sisters. And if we get that relationship right, we're going to have a great revival that breaks out, that we're going to see a church that is strong. So we're going to talk about living relationships. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence once again and thank you for your word. We thank you for your word which instructs us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we study tonight, that we will take the words off the pages of the book, write them upon the tables of our heart, that we will not sin against you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we experience Expound your word that you will help us to expound it line upon line and precept upon precept as we give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand. And you may be seated. The New Living Translation says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. I think that America is probably one of the um, countries that refuses to respect our elders. It's as if when people get old, we want to push them aside. We want to make sure they're out of the picture because old people, we don't want nothing to do with them. And so that's what happens in America. Unfortunately, that's what happens in churches. People look at the elder in the church or the elderly in the church and they look at them as being in the way, not up to speed, not cool enough, not hip enough, not able to be with the rest of the church in all of our praise and worship. But actually, when we start looking at the elders in the church, they are the solid rocks in the church. They are the solid rocks in the church. We are to never speak harshly to an elderly man, but appeal respectfully unto him as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. That's why when we talk to one another, we should treat each other like family. Right? This is what this is talking about. This is saying that we should treat each other like family. 
Now, I know some families that you probably have a lot of fighting, devouring division, and all that going on, but that's not the family that God's talking about. God's talking about getting together as the family that He ordered. He ordered a family in the way that it should go. There should be father and mother, sister and brother. There should be children. All should have respect, not only to each other, but unto the Lord, unto the house of the Lord. And that's why we, we talked uh, in the men's meeting. We were talking about some things. Having respect for the house of God. Why we need to understand that people need to have respect. They need to respect this building. This building is, is a holy place. This building is a place where we come together to worship the Lord. And so therefore we should respect the building. But also we should respect one another. And when somebody begins to look at us and and tell us to do something, the younger men have to submit to the elders and the the younger women to the elderly uh, women in the church because they are our example, the authority, if you will, over our lives. Talk to younger men as you would your own brother. Treat older women as you would your mother. And that means that when you come in contact with a sister that is got some age, if you will, you are to treat them like you would your mother. Nobody ever treats their mother badly if they love their mother. Now, I know a lot of children that have treated their mother badly. And that lets me know they don't love their mother. You know, I wish I could have my mother back and tell her how beautiful she was and how good she was and how thankful I was for her. Uh, but she passed away when I was 12 years old. But we understand that if we're not careful, we will be in a family relationship that is always arguing, dividing, devouring, and at each other's throats, whether it's in the natural or the spiritual. But we are to treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister's. Take care of any widow who is truly a widow. Now, I want to explain to us who a widow truly is. A widow, a true widow, is someone that doesn't have any family. No family. That means no sons, no daughters, no nephews, no family. Now, a lot of people want to look and say, well... We got to do things for widows and we got to do this because this person's husband died. But we have to understand are they a widow indeed? Are they truly a widow? We find that widows that are widows indeed, they are people that don't have any children or nephews. And the reason being is because if they have children, children should take care of their mother right you shouldn't expect the church to take care of your mama that's your job right this is good teaching right here you shouldn't ask somebody oh you gotta the church has got to take care of my widow mom no you're if you're alive you got to take care of them I believe that that's that's the honor that we show our parents I took care of my stepmother and made sure that all that she needed was met in her last days. When my dad passed away, my stepmom had 
had a son and, uh, and, and things like that, but uh, she was placed in my care because uh, my dad wanted me to take care of her and take control of the situation. And, uh, and her son agreed to it. Her son said, yeah, you go ahead. And that was something very important. That was a trusting transfer of authority, if you will. And so I made sure that she had everything that she needed. Uh, we, I can look around in this congregation and I can see people that took care of their mother. Uh, Brother, Brother Dove is taking care of his mother. And, uh, you know, uh, we look at others and we say, I know people that have taken care of their mothers, making sure that they're uh, getting what they need, uh, the, the clothes they need, the things they need, being treated right, and all these things. That's very important in our walk with the Lord. And so we all understand that sometimes there's facilities that we have to place our parents in uh, just for the simple reason uh, we can't bathe them, we can't uh, take care of them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, there's things that we can't do, right? There's things that we can't do. Now, it is an honorable thing when somebody keeps their parents home and has time and resources and availability to be there with them 24-7. That's a great thing. But I will tell you this, that it's hard for a woman to take care of her dad in the manner in which is the best for the dad. And it's hard for a son to take care of his mother in bathing and things like that. Nobody wants to see that. In fact, the Bible talks against that, against seeing your mother's nakedness. So we understand that there are certain things that we have to do as the people of God. And I don't think that this uh, taking care of the widows was saying, well, you know, i got to bathe them and all this. It's, it's actually taking care of making sure they're fed and making sure they had a roof over their head and making sure that they was taken care of. That's what this is talking about. So we see that if we are to take care of our parents, uh, it's, it's good and acceptable, the Bible says, before God. It pleases God. Now, a true widow is a woman who is truly alone in this world, truly alone, and has placed her hope in God. Now, uh, that's why you need to understand some widows are not really truly widows because they haven't put their trust in God. They might be widowed, but they're not true church widows. You have to understand, the Lord always takes into account how we are to treat the family of God. You know, the family of God is first. The, the world is, is, is within its own uh, realm. But we, as the people of God, have got to understand that the Lord is looking at us and asking us to take care of church widows. Now, they might be somebody that loses their husband, has no kids, and has no nephews, and they're a member of the church. It is the church's responsibility to make sure they have what they need. And, and that doesn't mean that if they're drawing a check or they have an income or they have something going on that uh, we're to pile on more and more on top of that. We're to make sure their needs are met. That's, that's the thing. Widows back in the Bible, you got to remember biblical days. Biblical days, women did not work. In biblical days, there wasn't social security. 
In biblical days, there wasn't all of these other uh, programs, right? There wasn't. It was either the church or they sat by the roadside with a cup in their hand. That is the only choice they had. So the Lord said, for widows that are church widows, we are to take care of them. Now, she is a widow indeed, and if she's desolate and trusteth in God, that's, that's a key point here, trusteth in God, then continueth, not only trusting God, she's a praying woman. You know, some people want to be taken care of, and they're, they're not praying. They're not serving the Lord, and they want, they want the church to take care of them. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't pray, how do you expect God to, to come to your rescue and give you what you have need of if you're not somebody who really continues in supplications and prayers and trusts in God? Trusting in God is everything. Trusting in God will get you through your valley. Trusting in God will get you through a layoff at work. Trusting in God will get you through some tough times and lean times. Trusting in God will help you get through things that normally would destroy you, but you trust in God. How'd you get through it? I trusted in God. How'd you overcome it? I trusted in God. We got any trust, any people trusting in God tonight? I believe we got some folks in here that trust God. I trust Him. I trust Him with my life. I trust Him with my soul. I trust Him with my family. I trust Him with my billfold. We got to trust God. So these widows that are being talked about, are truly desolate, have nothing, but they're trusting in God and continuing in supplications and prayers night and day. These are true widows. That's just like saying somebody is a believer. Now, a true believer is not just somebody that believes Jesus. A true believer is not somebody that just believes there is a God. A true believer serves the Lord. That's what a true believer is. So when it talks about, you know, women who have uh, uh, found themselves in a single condition or men that have found themselves in a single condition, they are not to go out to the world. All you're asking for is trouble on trouble, trouble on trouble, on trouble on trouble. You're not to go out to the world. Bible says... You're free to marry only in the Lord, which means somebody actually serving the Lord. I'm not talking about somebody that attends church. You know, some people, I'm going to tell you about some of our young ladies. When they start growing and getting to the age of dating, all of a sudden you see some of these young men showing up for church. And oh, they'll act like, I love the Lord. I love to go to youth camp. I love to go to revival. I love to go on trips. Oh, I love this church. But they don't have the Holy Ghost. Now let me tell you, never marry somebody that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Yeah. 
this is a good, good lesson tonight. We need to, we need to um, you know, marry only in the Lord, which means people that have the Holy Ghost, people that are, are, are full of faith and prayer warriors. You know, I, I don't want somebody just to come to this altar and pray long enough to get one of our young ladies and then go out in the world and devastate somebody's life. I've seen it happen to some of our young people in this church. People come in, they act like, oh, well, praise God, I'm, I'm serving the Lord, and I love the Lord, and next thing you know, they're getting married, and next thing you know, they're getting divorced. That's not of God. Make sure somebody's got the Holy Ghost. Make sure. I know the lust of the flesh is a powerful thing, Right? Oh, it'll draw you if you don't keep your flesh in subjection and the Spirit of God in your life. Your flesh will take you down roads that you don't want to go. It's, it's a powerful thing. Think about this. When young people have reached puberty, 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 Tell how long it's been since I've had to mention that word. <laughs> Puberty. You understand that when they get of, of a certain age, hormones start raging. And next thing you know, if you're not careful, little boys and little girls is all over each other. And nowadays, it's not just little boys and little girls. It's little girls on little girls and little boys on little boys. And that's why we have to be careful as a church to make sure that we are not allowing our youth to be more mature than they really are. And that means if you go back and you find two people in a place they shouldn't be, in a dark room, or in a, in a place they shouldn't be, you, you don't let them stay there. If you happen to walk by and see them and don't see no adult there, pointing their finger at them, telling them something, bring them on out. Bring them on out. Get them back in the sanctuary. <laughs> Nobody should ever be in a room in the dark in this, in, this, uh, in this church. Amen. So we find something interesting. That not only is a true widow a woman who is truly alone in the world, but she has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day. She's asking God for help. And this widow is in need. Not just a widow that had a bad thing happen and lost her husband. She's in need. She needs stuff. So her, she don't have no way to get clothes. She don't have no way to get food. Then the churches step up. Now, some widows... And this is why I think it's very important that we understand we read the whole thing. Because it says some widows in verse 6, some widows live only for pleasure. Oh, I've been set free. I ain't got no husband no more. I'm going to run the roads. She lives only for pleasure. She's spiritually dead even while she lives. That's what this is talking about. 
It says, give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. This is, this is a good breaking down of this word. We have to understand that there are widows that are in need and we are to step up and help them. But if widows are going to live in pleasure, if widows are going to, you know, party and go and do their own thing and spend money left and right, we ain't got no responsibility for them. Not one. We don't have no responsibility for them. And if they are living in pleasure, the Bible says they're dead while they live. Because the Lord didn't allow the church to just live strict and, and holy and then all of a sudden one day wake up and say, well, I feel like I'm just going to live the way I want to now. I know a preacher that said those very words. I'm going to live the way I want to now. After his wife died, I'm going to live the way I want to. Well, what happened to the first, I don't know, 30 plus years or 40 years? Was you just living it because people expected it of you? I know people that says, well, I'm not going to live strict no more like that. I lived that way growing up. But when I get out on my own, I'm going to live the way I want to. Well, let me ask you something. You either believe it or you don't. You either believe the word of God is true or you believe it's a lie. Amen. I have to believe the word of God is true. And I have to believe that we can live it right now and we can live it later. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I do not want to ever get in a place to where that I say to myself or to my wife, well, you know what? I don't believe we have to live all this. So why don't we just go out and start living like the world? We'll drink a little wine with our meals. We'll have a little fun. We'll, we'll go and we don't have to go to church. And we'll start, you know what? When you start taking backward steps, we've had youth leaders that I've heard that they preached and they taught, oh, you can't date the world. You can't date sinners. You can't date outside the faith. What happened the first time they got free? Dated outside the faith. Dated the world. Every person they got a hold of was not serving Jesus. Now, you either believe it or you don't. You know? I've heard of people that, that uh, you know, use youth groups just to uh, molest youth. And uh, you either believe it or you don't. You either believe that the Word of God is true and we got to live it line upon line and precept upon precept, or we don't believe it. There ain't no new revelation coming to you down the road somewhere when you turn 55 that says, oh, I don't have to live this way anymore. There's no new revelation coming to our young people that are raised in this church when they get 18 that says, oh, well, praise God, I, I can now wear this, I can now wear that, I can now do these things that I couldn't do while in church. No, there's no new revelation. You either believe it or you don't. And if you don't believe it, woe is it to your soul.
Because one day you're going to hear the Lord say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Elders who do their work well. Now this is preachers, deacons, leaders. Did I put leaders in there? That do their work well. What's, what's a good work? What do they do well? Preach the word. Teach the word. Stand for the word. These elders that do well, then we are to understand that we are to respect them. And even it says in one translation, pay them well. Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. See, sometimes we don't want to know the whole word. We just want to know part. We just want enough of the word to satisfy what we believe. But we got to understand what the word says. We got to understand. That means digging into it. That means diving into the deeper things of the word. Is this okay for everybody? Is this all right to dive into the deeper things? Because you see, we have to understand if we don't care for our relatives especially those in their own household the Bible says you've denied the faith you denied the faith and you're worse than unbelievers infidels that's, that's what uh, you know Iranians and all them terrorist groups call Christians and if you think for a moment that Christians ain't being targeted. You know what one of our own Congress people said? Elam, stupid Congresswoman. I don't know her name. I do know what party she is. <laughs> that ought to be enough. But I'll tell you this. She stood up and she said, All of you people of faith, or to know what your faith says. And you should call for a ceasefire against Hamas. You know what? I'm like, I'm like a I'm like a a uh, guy who has a coon dog hunting. And when that coon dog gets after a coon, my brother-in-law used to yell, I'd get so tired of him, he'd say, sick them blue, get them boy, get them blue. You know what I'm doing for Israel? Get them, Israel. Take them out. Go ahead. Wipe them out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to stand. Hallelujah. If you read your Bible, and I wish Elon or Eli, I don't even know her name. She, she's, she's the one that gets up and talks about from the river to the sea. And she just got censured the other day. Thank God somebody had some sense about them. And, and, and you know what she said? She said, she said you know what? Uh, uh, we, we need to have a ceasefire. And all, and it wasn't talking about just the, the people of, of Israel and the Jewish people. She named them. But then she went farther, which tells me all about this person I need to know. She said, people of faith. 
Who are we? People of faith. People of faith are to start looking at their faith and looking deep inside and looking at their own faith and understand their own faith. What she was saying is, some of you all Christians need to understand what the Bible says. That's what she was saying. When I heard that, you ever get something stuck in your crawl that you just can't swallow and it's right there digging at you? That, that was digging at me. And I thought, here she is, a U.S. Congresswoman that, that in her own country wouldn't even be allowed to drive. In her own country, she couldn't vote. In her own country, she wouldn't have no authority over anything. But she comes to America. And now... She is in Congress and she is saying all these things against our country. How can we deal with that? How, how is that possible? That'd be like somebody coming to church and say, Oh, well, praise God. I'm going to put this person up right here. This person wants to preach. And this person gets up to preach and they say, Well, praise God, the Bible is a lie and ain't no God. You think we're just going to still let them get up? You preaching next Sunday. No, I'm going to say you can sit back there. And not too close to nobody. <laughs> I want to know your ignorance rubbing off on some people. Plain speech is easily understood. I believe we're living in troublesome times because we're living in a world that now they're looking at Christians, us, and saying we're the problem and y'all are messing up and y'all are standing for the wrong thing. Y'all should side with Hamas. People that bake babies in ovens and behead babies and, and kill people and rape people, you should team up with them. You better know your party. You better know your party. You better know who you're teaming up with because there's a lot more than just the, the squad, the mod squad. They're all anti-American, the mod squad is. One of them married her brother. I'm telling you, if we ain't careful, we'll start thinking everybody that somebody is somebody. No, everybody that somebody ain't somebody. But I will tell you this. I believe the Lord wants us to understand his word so when all of this mess starts happening, we can say, wait a minute. We're not the problem. And this is nothing new. How many remembers when the prophet, oh, prophet came to town and, and oh, Ahab, he said, hey, 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 you're the one causing all the problems. He said, I ain't the problem. You're the problem. Kind of like that congressman and the head of the Teamsters. I hope you saw that. Our congressman, who was an ex-professional fighter, got called out by the head of the Teamsters. And the Teamster guy said, and I know this ain't got nothing to do with our lesson tonight, but the Teamster guy said to him many things in a tweet that was calling him out. Said, any time, any day. 
Well, somehow this teamster ends up before Congress in a committee. And the guy that he called out is in the committee. So he looks at him and he says, Hey, you remember all that stuff you said in those tweets? And he read it out loud. Said, well, now today's the day and this is the time. He said, you want to settle it? He said, yeah. Oh, I thought we're going to see something here. He said, you want to settle it? Yeah. He said, well, well, you get up. He said, no, you get up. It's like sixth graders. You know when sixth graders get, you throw the first punch. No, you throw the first punch. And nobody won't throw the first punch. <laughs> There's entertainment everywhere. I thought about this, of how, how crazy it is, the world we're living in, that congressmen want to fight. One, one congressman went by another one while he's giving an interview on TV, punches him in the kidneys. <laughs> Y'all, you can't make this up. Punches him in the kidneys, and he, <clears throat> and he says, if you get punched in the kidneys, it's different than getting punched in the back. It hurts. You get punched in the liver, it hurts more than getting punched in the stomach. That's right. Aim for the liver. <laughs> so, punched him, hurt him. And the guy said, I didn't hurt him. Well, I'm telling you all of this because we need to have relationships that we understand the Word of God. We understand how to treat one another. We're not going to punch one another, going by somebody and, and embarrass them and call them out and want to fight with them and, and have all sorts of stuff. I've had to break up fights here at this church. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. It's ready to go at somebody said, Pastor, yeah, I'm the biggest man in the building. Pastor. You know what? Next time somebody gets ready to fight and they come up and say, Pastor, I'm going to say, Jimmy Dove, Eli, Chris. <laughs> we need relationships that we understand what we need to be with each other and, and before God. This world we're living in, you're the problem. And if you think it's going to get easier, it's not. They're going, to, they're going to keep calling you out. You're the problem. You Christians, if you all didn't believe that you've got to come out from the world, if you all didn't believe that everything's a sin, if you all didn't believe, uh, if you Christians would just kind of mellow out and become like everybody else, just, just live your life. I'm going to tell you something. This world is trying its best, and the devil has no new tricks. Right? devil doesn't have any new tricks. We find that the prophet was being told he's the problem in the Old Testament. Now we're being told today we're the problem. devil don't have no new tricks. He still wants to take you out. Shut you down. He would like for this church to be empty because people get offended at politics and all sorts of other stuff. I tell you what, if politics offends you, you ain't even saved. You ain't even saved. 
Because politics should not offend you. You should stand for the right. I don't care which side it's on. Stand for the right. Very simple. Very, very simple. So let's look at this and, and very quickly come to a close. Because we got a baptism tonight. Amen. I'm glad about that. Elders who do their work well should be given honor and respect. Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. You should honor those that are preachers and teachers and have dedicated themselves to that. Now these fly-by-night preachers, you don't have to give them nothing but a hard time. I mean nothing but prayer. You've got to learn that people that are true are going to stay steadfast Year after year after year after year. Saints of God that are true will be there year after year after year after year. We don't have to guess. We don't have to try to figure it out. Is somebody going to be there at church or is somebody going to be there next year? No, they're going to be there because they're true. They're the real deal. So... Where there are people, everybody say there will be problems. Everybody can understand that, right? Somebody said when you deal with people, you deal with problems. I had a, I had a pastor, and he was a pastor of a huge church. I mean huge. It was huge. Huge. And uh, I was telling him, you know, um, do you ever have any problems? <laughs> he just looked at me. Like, when did you wake up? When, did you, when was you born? Because he said, how many folks you got coming? And I told him. He said, okay, multiply that by 100, and that's how many problems I got. He said, where you have people, you will have problems. But it don't mean the problems should destroy us. The problem should actually draw us closer and tighter together. I shouldn't speak one thing and then Brother Larry speaks something else and then Brother Dwayne speaks something else and Brother Jerry speaks something else. We should all speak the same thing. Right? We should all say the Bible says it. I believe it. It is what it is. Line upon line and precept upon precept. We shouldn't have different opinions about dating and marriage and, 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 and sin. We shouldn't have difference of opinions. We should all understand the same thing. But where there's people, there's problems. However, if we can learn to deal properly and effectively with problems, relationships bring, the benefits of the relationships will far outweigh the challenges. How far you go in life depends on you being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, tolerant with the weak and strong, because someday in your life you will have all, you will have been all of these. That was George Washington Carver. Said that. Not the president. George Washington Carver. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Apostle Paul exhorted Timothy to take extreme care in dealing with those around him. 
Every person is susceptible to faults. Everybody say, I got faults. And we all fail. Right? So none of us are perfect. And so I can't look at you and say, well, praise God. I would never do that. Now, you remember the guy that went up to the temple to pray? And he said, oh, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not like this publican. Oh, I give tithes and I do this and I pray and I fast twice in the week. I'm just so glad I'm not like this publican. He thought he was really bragging. I'm good. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm giving. I'm a good Christian. And the other guy was just standing there and wouldn't even lift up his head. He just smote his breast. He said, Lord, be merciful to me, sinner. Oh, you know what? I've learned a few things in all my years of pastoring. I never want to be the guy that holds my head up and brags about what I've been doing. I want to be the one that says, I'm not even worthy to be behind this desk. I'm not even worthy to be a child of God. I'm not even worthy to be in the family of God. But Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me. Whew. I don't want to ever look at anybody and say I'm better than them. I don't want this church to ever look at somebody. I don't, even, I don't even care if they're not a member of this church and they're out in the world or they're out in another church. I never want you to walk around and say, I'm better than them. We're not. We're saved by grace. And that's the thing that we all got to remember. Every time that we look at the homeless, every time we look at the people that are in need, every time we look at someone deceived in their doctrine and deceived in religion, we just got to say, that would be me if not for the grace of God. That would be... That would be us. Oh, I'm glad that the Lord has given us wisdom and Knowledge, And we've come together as the people of God on a Wednesday night because we want to know truth. We want to know truth. Therefore, no one is exempt from failure. Nobody in this room is exempt from failure. Therefore, all of us need fellow Christians who kindly and lovingly reprove, rebuke, and restore. Here's what we need. When I mess up, I need somebody to correct me. Not with arrogance, not looking down their nose at me, not acting like they're better than me, but look at me and say, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, you're better than that. You, you can overcome that. They ain't no use to let that get you down. They ain't no use to throw in the towel. See, somebody might be here tonight that feels like they're just overwhelmed and feels like everything's falling apart and, and, and they just need somebody to encourage them. You don't need to give up. You don't need to quit serving the Lord. You don't need to quit praying. You don't need to stay home. You don't need to find something else to do on Wednesdays and Sundays. You know, I remember the first time that we 
went to day services. And uh, I sat around Sunday evening, and I felt like I backslid. I don't know if anybody else felt like that or not, but I felt like I backslid. I, I thought, huh, I drove down the road. I said, so this is what people do on Sunday evenings. Nothing. <laughs> you know what? If we're not careful, when we get down and out, feel overwhelmed, feel like we're backsliding, if somebody don't step up and encourage somebody, well, pastor, that's your job. Well, I, I need about two more jobs if you can find them for me. I say that sarcastically because I don't need no more jobs. We need people stepping up. That's what this is all about. Treating sisters as sisters. Elderly women as mothers. Elderly men as fathers. Young brothers as brothers. That's why... How many's ever had a brother or sister or a family member that, that was having a bad day? Right? We've all had them. We've all had our family members have bad days. I don't look at them when they're having a bad day and say, yeah, I know it. It's terrible, ain't it? I don't know what you're going to do. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. No, you know what? I look at them and I say, you know what? It's going to be all right. I've had to encourage people in my family. I've had to encourage strangers. I've had to look at people and say, it's going to be all right. Things are going to work out. God's going to take care of this if you'll just hold on to him. Right? How many believe God will work everything out if you hold on? Hold on. We need fellow Christians to help reprove Sometimes even rebuke, but do it lovingly and kindly so that we want them to restore. I heard somebody say, well, how's so-and-so doing? And, and the person said, well, they backslid. And they said, well, have you tried to restore them? See, we should never let somebody backslide and just wave by to them as they go down the road. We should try to restore. God's people need to be restored. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1 in the King James Version. Bring it up on the monitor. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that means a sin, a shortcoming, Messed up. Ye which are spiritual. Now look at somebody and say, are you spiritual? Look at somebody else and say, are you spiritual? You act spiritual. You shout. You praise. Are you spiritual? Ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one. Restore. Everybody say restore. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That means to be kind and gentle. You know that you can cause somebody to be lost forever if you don't restore them with kindness and gentleness. You can offend them. There, there's 
I remember sit, standing talking to a state trooper. No, he didn't pull me. We was just talking. And I was talking to him, and he said, this, 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 this. He said, and that's the reason I'll never be a member of any church. I said, not everybody's like what you're dealing with. Right? Not everybody's like what you're talking about. Not e you can't put everybody in the same bag. You can't say, well, those Pentecostals, I got, I got offended and the church hurt me. Are there any really such thing as church hurt? I don't think there is. You know why? Because if you're not... If you got the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't get offended at anything. Now, I know everybody's quiet, but I'm just going to tell you what I believe. You believe what you want to, but I got the mic. I don't believe there's any such thing as church hurt. Because if church hurt could kill you and push you out, every one of us would be out today. Oh, I got hurt by a pastor. I got hurt by a church. Baloney. Salami. Don't happen. You chose to walk away from God. There's no such thing as church hurt. I know we preach it. Oh, somebody's been hurt. Oh, somebody's been church hurt. Somebody's been offended. Somebody's been this. Well, they probably have been. But how are you supposed to treat an offended brother? How are you supposed to treat an offense? Okay, since you don't know, I'm going to tell you. The Bible says that if you know that someone has something against you or if you have something against somebody, there's a way to take care of it. You go to that person. No, I'm going to talk to the pastor about it. No, don't come waste my time. If you ain't going to follow the Bible, don't waste my time with all of your dancing around the mulberry bush. Right? Go to them, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says go to them. Talk to them. Tell them I'm hurt. Well, I don't want them to think I'm hurt. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how some people answer stuff? They get hurt, but they don't want nobody to know they're hurt. It's like I never understood this. I'm going to tell you this, you know, this person's sick, but they don't want nobody to know it. Okay, I won't tell Jesus. No, I want you to pray. No, I can't tell nobody. Silliness. Silliness. If, we're not, if we can't be open with one another, we'll never have the relationship that brings revival. Which means if I can't look at you and say, you know, uh, something... Uh, that's going to help you or something's going to encourage you or if you look at me and say brother I want to encourage you today I want to just let you know I've been praying for you you know some of the greatest things is not you know uh, coming and, and just talking to me 10 minutes before service sometimes it's just looking at me and saying praying for you pastor love you right don't get too many of those but that's the way it should be we should look at one another. That's why I tell everybody at the end of the service, what do I say? 
Shake somebody's. Tell them you love them. Right? There's a reason for that. It's, it's because we got to love one another. We got we to gotta not shun one another. Well, you don't know what they did to me, Pastor. I don't care what they did. That's right. I don't care. Because if you ain't got enough Holy Ghost to get over it and get through it, you ain't going to make it no way. I'm just going to be honest with you. Some people ain't tough enough to get to heaven. Right? But those that will endure hardness as a good soldier, those that says, I'm pressing through, those that will be like the woman with the issue of blood that says, I'm going to press through to get to Jesus, those that's willing to stand in the heat of the day and tell Jesus, oh, when Messiah comes, he's going to tell me everything about me. And Jesus standing there telling everything about her life. She drops her water pot and runs back home and tells everybody about Jesus. Evangelize the city. That's right. We're going to have baptism after a while. <laughs> I'm going to get some hand claps here uh, somehow. <laughs> the issue is not whether we need corrected or correction is in order, but how correction is administered with love, compassion, meekness. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. I've heard people tell people, praise God, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to hell. How's that help that person? It don't help them. I've heard people look at people and just give them down the road. I mean literally give them down the road and say, you know you need to be in church. I've heard people say that, and you know what the person said? Yep. Yeah, I know. I should be in church. So you can't tell me nothing about myself I don't already know. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. And They said, I know I'm going to hell. But you know what? If we could reach people with meekness and love and compassion, family. Oh, we need to get our family relations lined out. You can't get a right relationship with Jesus if you can't get it right with family. We're going to have baptism after a while. <laughs> I told you I'd get some hand claps. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Respect them who are older. Occasionally... A younger person in leadership may find it necessary to deal with a problem in the life of a person who is his or her senior. I'm younger than some people in this church. But if I was to have to counsel someone older than me, there's a right way of doing it. There's a right way, right way of doing it. The attitude of Samuel might be a good example. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel said, here I am. What was it that the Lord said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. You see, 
Eli wanted to know if the Lord told Samuel something. Samuel wanted to know. I mean, Eli wanted to know. We got to understand, people really want to know truth. And they want to know how to get to heaven. And they want to know if they're making mistakes. Right? I don't know about you, but when I first started serving the Lord, I didn't want to make no mistakes. I wanted to make sure I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I'd show up for every spring cleaning. I would show up for everything going on at the church. I don't care if it was Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, Friday. I don't care if I worked hoot out and had just a few hours sleep. I still showed up. You know why? Because it's important to understand that if we are not there to help one another and we are not there to encourage one another. Paul admonished Timothy. You've got to take care of your parents that are needy, that have uh, needs in their life. It's not just a social obligation. It's the natural extension of a right relationship with God. It's simply our duty as God-fearing people. Sometimes we try to help people. Sometimes they may be homeless, they may be hungry, they may be other things. Sometimes it don't work out. Because sometimes people choose the life they're living and they don't want help. You got to understand, we want to help people. But the Bible takes us to a focus on the inside. And he says, we need to be focused about helping one another. And if we get this relationship right, we'll work on the relationships out here. Right? Now, living in harmony with leaders. And I'm going to come to a close with this. Living in harmony with leaders. The pastor or overseer. Church leadership and ministry done correctly is not a trivial task. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. Leading believers well is not accomplished by only a few hours on Sunday, but requires effort throughout the week. It is acceptable for pastors to expect... Um, you know, uh, pay for their time. So I, I've said this to many people. I'm not up here asking for pay, right? Everybody knows that, right? You can say, Brother Richard's not one. When everybody says, all preachers is out for money, you say, Brother Richard ain't. Right? That's right. Next time somebody says, well, praise God, they're too lazy to get a regular job, and that's the only job they want to get paid is to be a preacher. Say, Brother Richard ain't. That's right. Those of you that know me, you know that. I don't want pay. I deserve pay, but I don't want pay. See, the problem with a lot of people is, if we're not careful, our relationship will be that we won't even give respect to ministry. Because after all, they're just the preacher. You, you better give respect to your leaders, to the pastor, the overseer of the church, the deacon, the, the leaders of the church. 
You better give respect to them. That's God's order, not, not Richard McKinney's order. It's God's order. Leading believers well is not accomplished nonchalantly. It is something that is hard work. If you don't think pastoring is a job and work, try it for a week. I'll turn the reins over to some man, not a woman, but some man for a week. And I'll say, you pastor this week. And then come back and tell me, that's the easiest thing I ever done in my life. Everybody loved me. <laughs> Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. It's acceptable for pastors to receive pay for their time. That's why I say, I don't. But the next person that comes in as pastor, and they say, well, you know what? I'm going to have to have about 50000 a year to do this. Don't look at them and say, well, praise God. Brother Richard didn't take nothing. Don't look at them like that. Because I'll be standing here overseeing it, making sure you don't say that. Because I'm going to say, wait a minute. What? Remember Bible study? And, and some people at that time might say, yeah, I do remember that. And then some people say, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. The worker deserves his wages. You know, the Lord gave this illustration. He went out into the marketplace. He went out into get workers for, the, for his field, right? And what did he say? I'll give you a penny. They agreed on a wage. Maybe I ought to take a penny a year. <laughs> Greed for a penny. But that was a type and shadow of, of eternal life. But it was a, it was a wage agreement. You've got to remember, people that pastor full-time, um, you know, they, they, got, they use gas, automobiles, runs to the hospital, they like a cheeseburger every now and then. I get amen. They, they like stuff. You know, they have to drink a pop out of the pop machine. What are you saying, Pastor? I say, don't muzzle the ox. Somebody right now is scared to death I'm getting ready to ask for a salary. Don't you know that those that work in the temple get their food from the temple? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read verse 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. I've come to my 17th close. <laughs> There's no closing with some preachers, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? They live what comes in the temple. Right? That's what it says. Everybody say that's word. Everybody say that's New Testament word. And they which wait at the altar are partakers of 
with the altar. Now, what did they put up on the altar? They had barbecues every day because of their sin. And so people that worked the altar, they lived off the altar. People that worked in the temple lived on the things in the temple. If you look in Old Testament time, everybody got stuff except for the priests, the Levites, if you will. And, and they were given stuff to live on from the work of the Lord. When you took stuff in, I don't care if it's a tithe of corn, guess what? They ate some of the corn. If you took some meat, they ate some of the meat. They lived off what came in to the tabernacle. That's important to understand because a lot of people think that a preacher shouldn't be paid a salary. And a lot of people think a preacher shouldn't be given no extra. And that a preacher is just on his own. He just chose to be a preacher, so let him preach. The law of Moses required a minimum of two or three witnesses for a judicial conviction. Paul advised Timothy with the same rule. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's by what? Two or three witnesses. Don't ever listen to a um, gossip, if you will, about a pastor and believe it. Unless it comes in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now I want to tell you about those two or three witnesses. They aren't two or three sinners. They aren't two or three disgruntled employees. Disgruntled saints, if you will. But they're faithful people. Holy Ghost filled people. Now, if two faithful Holy Ghost people tell you something on a pastor, believe it. I had some faithful Holy Ghost people tell me about a pastor that was a homosexual. I told a pastor friend of mine about this pastor who was a homosexual. First thing he said, don't you believe that? And I said, brother, it came in the mouth of two Holy Ghost filled men of God. Plus I got the police report. That's the third witness. What else you want? They said, don't you believe it? Let me tell you, there's a lot of rumors go around. And it may be on saints or it may be on leadership, but you don't need to believe it unless two or three witnesses, Holy Ghost-filled witnesses, tell it. Right? Now, if somebody's wishy-washy and they tell me something, I take it with a grain of salt. Right? I'm not going to run and tell somebody else about that. You know? But now when I found out the guy was homosexual, I started warning other churches, don't get him come preach. Right? This all right? This is Meet Wednesday. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's by two or three witnesses. The church has a responsibility to give the benefit of the doubt. You can't believe everything you hear and half of what you see because a lot of people are quick to judge when you do that. We're going to have a baptism. 
So I'm closing with this conclusion. Be fair, be pure, be honest, be real. Love one another, help one another, encourage one another, lift up one another. When you see somebody down and out, somebody used to be a praiser and now they're sitting on a pew and they're always looking and just sitting there, go encourage them. You don't have to ask them, what sin did you do? That's Job's friends. You don't need Job's friends. We need saints of God that's willing to say, I love you. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray with you? You don't even have to pray for them. Pray with them. Right? Somebody said, and I believe it was Brother Keith said, I tell people they worked with me, not for me. That's why I say I go to church with these people. I don't, I don't pastor these people, even though I'm your pastor. I, I tell people we work together as a team. We try to make, make an environment for people to be saved. I want to close with a, a word of prayer.